hope. Convoy of hope is a part of the Assemblies of God's compassion ministry outreach. It is a branch of our, our missions department in the Assemblies of God. We've done this uh, for quite a few years every year. We switched it this year, moving it to the month, month of May to make it a little easier because uh, the first of the year was a little difficult. One day, it's called One Day Offering. And as you walked in, you saw those boxes stacked out there. We are believing for an offering of $4,560 this year to feed 38 children for an entire year. Amen. I believe that's possible. And so as you're headed out, there's uh, lots of ways to do this. We're going to be receiving one-day offerings all through the month. You can fill out uh, on in the board as you're headed out there. There's offering amounts from $240, which will feed a child for an entire year. $120 will feed uh, uh, one child for... Uh, for half the year, <laughs> okay? So you can look at the amounts out there. We have them from $240 all the way down to $10. So make sure, here's the point. No amount is too small. We want to reach our goal. We would love to exceed that goal, but we believe that this is so important as God has blessed us so much. It is a way that we can tangibly reach and feed children, and it is an awesome thing. So uh, with that being said, I am going to draw attention to this. You got these this morning. Please look it over. It will tell you a little bit more about one day, and you're going to hear some more about it as we continue this month. Watch this clip. This year, in 11 countries at over 900 program sites, more than 171,000 children are sitting down to a hot meal. For many, it's their only meal of the day. How did these children end up sitting at this table? Who reached out in kindness across the world and told these children they are worth the investment? The answer is simple. The answer is you. By giving one day's wage, you're helping Convoy of Hope fight global hunger. It's a crisis in which 22,000 children a day die due to hunger and poverty-related causes. The task is daunting, but the solution couldn't be more clear. By giving to One Day to Feed the World, your day's wage is multiplied by Convoy's partners, providing even more life-saving food, clean water, education, and supplies to those in need. For children like Mahar, Stephen, and Manas, your gift means they don't go to bed hungry. They have energy to focus at school, and the door is open to the message of Jesus' love. The power of every meal breaks the cycle of poverty and hopelessness. And in its place, there are brighter futures and a tangible expression of the love of Jesus. For more than 20 years, you've given through Convoy of Hope and the results speak for themselves. More than 85 million people have felt your kindness. It's been packed into boxes and loaded onto trucks, boats, and airplanes. It's been sorted, cooked, and hand-delivered by more than 600,000 volunteers. And finally, it's been delivered to the table, a table where a child sits with an empty stomach, but not for long. Your one day transforms their every day. Amen. So all month, 
we would ask that you would mark your envelope, one day offering, and drop it in. We will be taking a special offering at the very last Sunday of the month, but you're welcome to give all month long. And we are going to be excited as we see those boxes come from out there in the foyer being stacked up right here on this stage. And we're going to give God glory. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to ask Steve Day to come, if he will. And Steve is in charge of our pastoral uh, search and selection uh, committee. Uh, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to him at this time. All right. Thank you. For uh, those that you not know, do not, might not know, my name is Steve Day. I'm the Secretary Treasurer and Financial Administrator of North Lake Church. And uh, it is my pleasure to stand before you this morning as we start this process. I would like to begin with a scripture in Ephesians as Paul, who was a prisoner in Rome at the time, writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, and as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we have uh, instructions in unity and love and humility and peace. And uh, I'm just going to ask the board members and their wives that they could come and, and begin standing right here. We begin this process. You know, 1928, this church was founded as a fellowship here in Camas. That makes it 28 years, or excuse me, 90 years old this year. So by that, you know that this church has gone through a lot of transitions and that uh, we're about ready to go through another one. Let me say this, that Pastor Brian has been here for 16 years, and for most times, an average pastor's stay is five years. That means we have an above-average pastor. I think you might know that. <laughs> but as, what is a transition? Well, a transition is when we go from one place to another. You know, a transition is, is you see it with the disciples and Jesus. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They had to go down to the lake. They had to get into a boat. They had to cross the lake. Now, we all know what happened. In transitions, we can have peaceful transitions. We can have turbulence transitions. We can encounter many things. And our hope and our prayer is for uh, that the Lord would be with us in this and that this would be a blessing to Pastor Brian and Jill as they move on to a place yet unknown and as we welcome a new pastor here yet unknown. This is an open, confidential process. The board, seven members of the board, everybody's here but Brian and Bob Butke uh, and their wives, is the Pastoral Selection and Search Committee. Why husbands and wives? Because we have a culture here at North Lake that uh, the two will become one. And we believe that as we have board members and their wives, the two become one. And so that is the process. Again, this is an open, confidential process it is open in that we have nothing to hide uh, no agenda to take it's confidential that we are entrusted with confidential information that we are not able to share we have to keep that confidence 
And so I just say that. Don't ask, and we won't tell. You know. <laughs> I know. I know you all are interested and curious, and the process has just begun. We are in um, working with uh, Northwest Ministry District, and we are following our Constitution and bylaws in this process. Um, and we have time. This isn't anything that we have to immediately resolve. And so in the Lord's timing, that will take place. Now, did you have something? Well, we say, be in prayer for us because we truly are waiting on the Lord. We have no idea what our next step is. We only know that we are stepping out and hearing, having heard God's voice, we obey. So we're gonna let's go down and join them here. And so we're gonna come down and join uh, you and us together as we are in this process together. This this process, all of you and all of us are in this together. And we just want to have a peaceful transition, one led by the Lord. And we ask that you would join us, remember us in prayer as we begin this process and go through this process. So would you? Yes. One other thing. Pastor always has Sorry. <laughs> we have a prayer room right to my right as you're heading out this door. It is not just opened at six in the morning. And I am asking you, as your lead pastor, that you will set time aside and come and fill that room. As you prayed over Jill and I, as the Lord sent us here, I'm asking you to pray again. God has a plan. He has not failed. In fact, I will tell you, we ought to be more fearful if we did not obey. And I'm asking you, get on your face. Pray. God's got a leader coming, and it's going to be good. Pray with anticipation that God is going to move. As I put on my Facebook, God is on the move. <laughs> so I'm going to ask with that, if you would please stand in unity with us and join us in prayer as we pray and to begin this process. Our Father, Lord, we stand before you today, Lord. You know what uh, our hearts, you know our desire. Lord, we desire to follow you, Lord. We desire to have the will of God displayed in our life and in our fellowship. Yeah. And, Lord, as we together go through this process and seek your will, your plan, Father, we just come against any enemy that any would come in and try to cause disruption and disruption, uh, Lord, because we know that you are uh, above and bigger than that, Lord, and that you, when you get into the, into the boat and say, let's go to the other side, we know that you can rebuke the waves and the storms and the turbulence, Father. And, Lord, as we get into the boat, begin this process, we just thank you for being with us in every step of the way. Hallelujah. And all God's people say, amen. 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 What an honor and privilege it is to have Chris and Heidi here this morning. Amen. Uh, Chris and Heidi were part of North Lake Church for so long. We have uh, uh, adopted you as this is your home church, whether you like it or not. <laughs>
So we are so thrilled, and they are uh, going to come and bless you today, telling what God is doing and stirring in them, how God is using them. And again, they're one of our uh, core missionaries. Uh, we love them so much. It has been an honor to see what God continues to do through them. And uh, Chris and Heidi, we love you. God bless you as you come. Thank you. Good morning, Northlake. It's good to be here with you this morning, and we do feel at home. Um, this church has supported us for so long. In fact, I was thinking earlier about how long financially the church has supported us, and I got to thinking way back to the 70s. That's when this church, Camus Assembly of God, down, I forget the name of the, the street leading to Washougal, that's where the building was, but this body of believers has supported my parents since mid to late 70s, missionaries in Kenya, and they're here this morning, Chukambani Nest. So, so thinking back on how long this church has been a part of my life, in fact, I remember in the 70s, no, 80s, I think it was our furlough of 82, 83, visiting the church, and I was in the seventh grade. And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you for partnering with, with my parents who have left a legacy in Kenya. Uh, they were there for 38 years, and uh, their bodies came back two and a half years ago, but I don't think their hearts came back <laughs> with them. And they get to go back and forth a little bit and, and investing in, in church leaders in Kenya. But you've invested uh, in the kingdom, I guess is what my point here. And in our lives, um, boy... You've not only supported us financially, but you've loved on us. The last time we lived in Camas during a furlough or itineration, whatever you want to call it, I think was 07, 08, and this was our home church, and you guys loved on us. And uh, so thank you. Thank you. Um, God's done some amazing things um, that we just give him glory for. We went to the field in 1999 with a two-year-old, a four-month-old, and a yet-to-be-born uh, American-African who was born in South Africa during our first term. Uh, we served in Zambia for about eight years. We served in, in uh, Sudan for a little while until the government decided they didn't want us there anymore. And then our last place of service was recently in Ethiopia. And we were there to uh, bring the gospel to kids. Um, the church in Africa is strong in many ways. Africans know how to pray. They know how to worship. And there are many strengths about the African church, and if we're going to generalize, ministering to children has not been one of their strengths, and uh, God gave us a heart to, to reach and disciple kids, and we did that through primarily training people in the three countries that I mentioned to reach and disciple kids. We saw a lot of kids come to know Jesus. We were able to invest in the lives of church leaders, and you were a part of that through your giving, through your prayer, and I just want to say thank you. Um, Giving to missions, I don't know, you know, if, if you're able to translate the dollars, I don't know how many people get saved for each dollar given. I don't know those statistics, but let me just put it this way. The kingdom expands. When you're on mission and when you give to missionaries, when you pray for missionaries, when you're part of the mission of God, and I just want to say thank you. You know, God does transition us once in a while. I was, as we were talking earlier, and I, I, we're a testimony of God's faithfulness in transition. Um, and I just want to say that we'll, we'll, while we know God will be faithful and we'll be praying for you guys in both this body of believers and, and your pastors. And uh, we're in an interesting transition now. After serving in Africa for uh, since 1999, we are moving to Sicily, Italy, 
to work with refugees, many of whom are Africans. And Heidi and I were just there in November and saw some really cool stuff that's going on. God's doing some great things in, in Sicily and in Europe on a whole in regards to refugees. And so I just want to show a quick video to kind of give you a picture of what God is doing in Europe through ministry to refugees. Go ahead and show that video. following the international news in the last two, three years, you've probably seen overcrowded boats going from North Africa to Europe. Uh, one of the gateways to Europe for refugees is through Sicily. And hundreds and thousands of refugees have flooded into uh, Sicily, millions into Europe in the last two, three years. And you know what? It's a crisis, but God is doing some amazing things. Paul Tremontosi, the director for Assemblies of God World Missions Europe, has said in the last few years, 20,000 Muslims have come to know Christ through the church and missionaries reaching out to Muslim refugees that have come into Europe. And so God, he, he has a way of doing things, um, and we don't always understand it. In fact, often we don't understand what God is doing, but we need to be ready to respond to what God is doing, to his calling, to his promptings. And, and so God has somehow seen it fit to lead Heidi and I to Sicily. I was talking to um, John, um, what's your last name again? Dawson, earlier, who's, who's lived in Sicily. Someone's got to be a missionary in Sicily, you know. And so come August, we are headed back over uh, with only one of our children, uh, Caleb, our youngest, who's 16. The other two, it's not that they've misbehaved. But they've grown up, and so we have to leave them here in the States going to college. But So pray for us with that. In fact, I have prayer cards in the back on a table. When you leave, please, please pick one up. But, but God's doing some cool things. We were in Sicily in, and in Vienna, Austria in November. Heidi and I were. And our time in Vienna, we were able to attend this church that, ha it's an international church. In fact, um, is it Danica? Your parents were... What were they? they? They were on staff at this great church. It's called Vienna Christian Center. And we were visiting Vienna Christian Center. And, and this church has about eight or so different ethnic and uh, language fellowships. And we got to go to the, the English service uh, Sunday morning. But Sunday night was a highlight. We got to go to the Iranian fellowship. About 70 Iranian believers uh, worshiping in, in, uh, in this facility. And at the end, Heidi and I approached some of them and we began to ask them questions. How is it that you came to know Christ? And a couple of their stories were some, went something like this. In, they were saying, when we were in Iran, we were forced to be Muslims. But when we came to Vienna, the church reached out to us and now we're followers of Jesus. 
Some of them had just given their lives to Christ within the last year. And so God is doing some awesome things as the church is responding to the refugee situation in Europe. Then in, Vien- uh, in, uh, in Sicily, we met a young man. I met a young man named Abdi. Abdi is from Pakistan. He's a political refugee in that his life was at stake by virtue of the political party that he belonged to. Um, he managed to escape Pakistan and get to Sicily, and people reached out to him. And he came to know Christ, and now he's a believer in Jesus. And our colleague there, uh, a, a missionary, he's discipling Abdi. And uh, there, there is story after story after story about what, is God, what God is doing in the lives of refugees, in the lives of Muslim refugees. And um, our colleagues there have opened two centers in key cities in, in Sicily. Uh, when we were there, we got to visit the center in Maneo, which... Um, is large in that town the lar- is the largest refugee center I- or camp in all of Europe, and they have a center where they bring refugees up for Bible study, life skills. They teach them Italian. They provide for their needs, and uh, we got to meet some of these people. We met Muslims that came to the center, and just to s- see people, you could tell they were hungry, but they didn't want to let you know it, you know, and. Uh, and so it was, it was just really cool to see what God is doing as, as these missionaries who they've, they've just launched this ministry in the last couple of years. And uh, they also just three weeks ago opened up another center in the town of Caltanissetta. We were able to visit that town when we were there. And um, God is doing some awesome things. And uh, so come August, we head over. We get to study another language, um, Italian. Uh, refugees don't speak Italian a whole lot, and we found that we were able to use some of the languages that we learned in Africa to communicate to refugees, so that was kind of cool to see an Ethiopian, you speak their language, a a white person in Europe speaking their language from Africa. They're kind of blown away when that happens, but we're excited, um, and our vision is to compassionately engage in the lives of refugees and see them transformed by Jesus. So pray for us as we head out soon. Um, as we, another transition, and, uh, but you're, you're, you're a part of that when you give, when you pray, and we just want to say thank you. I'm going to have Heidi come up, and we're going to do something with the kids. What mic should she use? (laughs) We want to do something called the scripture picture, but go ahead. Can I tag on to what you're just saying? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know how many of, uh, my grandfather was an immigrant to America. Did anybody like have their grandparents that were that immigrated to America? So I'm or, or great grandparents even, if you can think even that. I just my grandpa when he came to America, that's how he found Jesus. And so when I look at all these refugees that are coming in and I don't know what it's looking down here in Clark County, but we're in Seattle right now and there's it, it there's a ton. What an opportunity we have. The mission field has come to us. Mm-hmm. And uh so, yeah, look at them with the lens of, of Jesus' plan for their life and that he has hope for them. So, okay, what am I doing besides crying? <laughs> okay, all right, he's going to do the clicker. All right, guys, I need the kids to come up. Are the kids still in here? Can you guys all come up here, right here? I need your help. Adults scare me, and I get really jittery, but if kids are in front of me, I get really uh, relaxed. Thank you. All right, so there is a verse today, 
But Chris went and turned it into these pictures, and I need you to help me figure them out because I'm confused. Can you guys help me? Yeah? Okay, well, the first word. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So the first word is the Lord. Did Denise teach you these already? Oh, that pastor Denise. <laughs> you guys do know that you guys have the best children's pastor that there is or ever has been. <laughs> you guys are very blessed. Okay, the Lord is, what's the next one? You guys know it? It's not a pretzel. Not, just shout it out. I'm not going to pick it. Not, very good, not. Okay, oh, what's this? Sloth. What does, does a sloth move fast? Slow. Okay. The Lord is not slow to. Is the cup. The cup is full plus. Fulfill. Fulfill. Yes. Oh, it's that one. His. 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 Oh, what's this one? I had never seen this one before. What's the bottle doing? What's another word for spray? Come on, big, big kids. Can you help me out? Mist. Mist. So P-R-O plus mist makes promised, which sounds like promise. Promise. Got it? Ha. As. Okay, X plus X equals one as sum. That's a sum. Sum. Oh, what, what happened? As some, wait, what's the one, two, three supposed to be? Count. As some count. Oh, as some count. Okay. <laughs> oh, what's that? The sloth is slow, and that guy's last name is Ness. Our, our name is all over the Bible, I'm telling you. We have a very spiritual name. Slowness. Oh, do you know what part of the gun that is? the butt of the gun. <laughs> Slowness, but is broken. Mm, no. What's that guy? Where do you think what do you think that guy is? Where's he at? A hospital. So if you're in the hospital, you are a patient. Patient. Okay, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But is patient toward, to, toe, toe plus ward? Toward, toward. Oh, it's not a boy sheep, but it's a girl sheep making it a you. That's what a female sheep is called a you. Not, not, it's tied in a knot. Not, oh wow, you're going too fast. Sorry. Not well that, okay, that. Wishing. Oh, wishing, not wishing. It's a wishing well. Oh, wishing that. Me? N-E. 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 It's a knee. N-E. N-E. What's the person wearing? A hood. Should. Should. What is that? 
What, what kind of fruit is that? Do you guys know? A pear. And you add the sh to the pear. Perish. Perish. Oh, there's that word again. But that all should reach. Oh, reach, reach. Oh, boy, this is stretching it. How do you get the tent? Retentance? Retent ants, which sounds like repentance. That's stretching it. <laughs> oh, oh, Peter, Peter. What would that be? Not Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. <laughs> Second Peter. Three, nine. Oh, and far. there it went away. Whoa, that was a big, long Sorry. one. You guys really helped me. Thank you so much. I needed your help. All I right. It too far. Would you get, how do we? You, you want to say it or should I just bring, try to bring low? But I'm, I need it up there again. To know. Okay. I, <laughs> I clicked it too far. There we go. Okay. Let's say it all together. Ready? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slow, slowness, but is patient. Toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. All right. Can you guys help me bring Bones out? Do you guys know who Bones is? He's this bird that we keep at our house, and he likes to eat all my crackers. It's so frustrating. But Chris brought him today, but... I I don't know. Is he awake, Chris? Oh, no. He's sleeping. He must have got bored. All right. Can you guys help me wake him up? Okay. On the count of three, I want you to pat your legs really hard and shout really loud, wake up, Bones. Okay. Are you ready? One, two, three. <laughs> earthquake. Everybody under your chairs. Earthquake. No, there's no earthquake, Bones. They have not. No. And who are you? I'm your ventriloquist. My vanilla twist? No. You get there's that Dairy Queen. Looks like you got a little too many. Hi, Heidi. Well, Bones, yeah, that's my name. Don't wear it out. Say hello to the kids. Hello, baby goats. No, 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 they're not baby goats. To the boys and girls. Hello, boys and girls. Girls, woo! Stop flirting with the girls. Why not? All right, Bones, yeah, it's time to go outside and flight. No, it's not time to go outside and flight. It's time to eat lunch. Do you have my lunch? No. Do you have his lunch? No, it's time for the scripture picture. The scripture picture. I love the scripture picture. Can I help? Should we let him help? Yeah. What's, no? Okay, see you later. No, Bones, you can help. Well, Bones, what's that first word? Exit. No, was that the first word of the scripture picture? Exit. No, no, Bones, that's not the scripture picture. It's over there on the screen. Ah! No, I didn't tell you to scream. I thought you said to scream. No, it's behind you. Oh, 
Woo! There it is. All right. Yeah. Well, what's that first word? To he. No. What is it, kids? What? Oh, there it is. The. Uh, yes, the. Lepadalda. No, not the lepadalda. The Laroda. No, no. What is it, kids? Lord. The Lord is tied up in a knot. No, he is not tied up in a knot. What is that? Pretzel. No, it is. The Lord is what? Oh, the Lord is not. Flash. Slothmore. I know he's not. You know he's not Slash Slothmore. Do you remember that movie? Zootopia? Wasn't that his name? Yeah. What is that word? Slow. The Lord is not slow to drink a glass of red juice. No, 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 no. What is that word, kids? Fulfill. That is right. What, is, what does a snake say? A snake says, watch out, I'll bite you. No, no, that's not what a snake says. What does a snake say? His. The, slow, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his fruit. What is that, kids? Promised. plus x does not equal one what are they thinking what is that what what is it sum oh that's a sum all right as some one two three four five six seven no no we're not counting well there's numbers up there well what is that kids as some what count oh as some count uh, uh, what is what's what is uh slow plus who is that guy Oh, that looks like you. What are you doing up there? Well, what is that word, kids? Slowness. Oh, that's your last name. That's okay. Let it as uh, count slowness. What part of the gun is that? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, it's the butt of the gun. But is Fred the sick guy? No, that is not Fred the sick guy. Who is that guy? He's a patient. Oh, he's a patient. He is, but is patient. Let's see. Oh, is his toe sick? No. Is his toe sick? No. He is patient what? Toward. Uh, toward sheeps. He must be a shepherd. No, no, no. Is that right? No, that's not a boy sheep. It's a girl sheep. What is, what's the girl sheep's name? Margaret? No, no, no. What do you call a girl sheep? A, a you, that's right. Towards you, not, uh, what is that word, kids? Wishing. What's T plus hat for? No, no, T plus hat is not for. What is it? That. Uh, did he hurt his knee too? No, no, no. That. What is that word, kids? Any. Any. What is the next word, kids? Yes. Should. What should I do? Okay. That should eat apples. Is What is that next word? Perish. What does perish mean? Anybody know what perish means? What? To die. Oh, I shouldn't. Nobody should die. Should not perish. But that all should What's that guy doing? Reach. reach. Oh, reach. Reach. Okay. Reach. What is that word? I don't know. 
Repentance. Oh, should reach repentance. Feeder, feeder. Second. Oh, it's the second one. And where is it found? In the Bible, don't you know? Oh, it's found in 2 Peter 3.9. All right, Bones. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, it's time for you to go. All right, say good boy to the boys and girls, Bones. Good boy to the boys and girls, Bones. See ya. Hasta la fiesta. Ciao. Sayonara. All right. Thank you, Bones. And thank you, kids. You can be seated. So that's our text for today. So you didn't need to open in your Bibles. You, well, you can if you would like. But uh, yeah, Second Peter chapter 3, verses nine, uh, 8 and 9, actually. 8 says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish. And, you know, have you ever thought about time, time with kids, maybe toddlers? As missionaries, you travel a lot. And um, we would travel in our minivan when we would itinerate. And we, back in the day, we had the 13-inch TV VCR combo behind the driver's seat, and the kids would watch shows. And how long is a typical show for a kid? About a half hour, right? So, you know, how many of you heard it with your kids or your grandkids? Are we there yet, or how much longer? Yeah, and, you know, you, you, you hear that a lot as a missionary, and Heidi finally came up with this great way of kind of giving our kids an idea of how long the trip was. If, it was an, if there was an hour left, she would say, like, two veggie tails. So they would go, oh, and then they would be quiet for a while. Not the whole trip, but, <laughs> but that kind of shows our pers- God's perspective on time, too. Uh, it here says here in verse 8 that, with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And, you know, with God, even his perspective on time compared to ours is so different, like our perspective on time compared to a toddler. And, you know, some might think that God is slow in keeping his promises, but he's not. And, you know, that verse is, the context of it is in, in the, where Peter is writing to the um, church in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. And he's encouraging them uh, because there are those who are saying, when is this second coming of Christ that you talk about going to happen? And, and, and Peter reminds them that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, but that uh, he is patient towards you. How many times has God been patient towards you? I know he has with me. And he's not wishing that any should perish. And that's where his patience come in is because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And, you know, God's mission is based on his time, not ours. You know, you might maybe a lot of you, I can't wait until Jesus returns. I look forward to it. But you know what? There are some who have yet to hear. In fact, do you remember back in 88, those of you who are alive, you guys up here don't remember 88. The book that came out, 88 Reasons Why Christ is going to Return in 88. I think another one came out in 89 or something like that. <laughs> the guy probably made some good money off those books. It's pretty obvious that Christ didn't return. And that the mission of God is based on his timing, 
and not ours. Um, and the mission of God is patient. In 2008, we moved to Sudan. I mentioned it earlier. Um, we only lived there three years because the government decided three years into it they didn't want us and other missionaries there. But right after we moved there, we met a couple by the name of Majdi and Hala. And uh, our kids went to a school there that was run by missionaries. It, um, it was not a Christian school because it couldn't be, but their, their goal was not only to give a good education both to missionary kids and to kind of the upper middle class of that city, um, it was also to build relationship with Muslim families and to share Christ with them. And Majdi and Hala were one of those families that one of the teachers shared Christ with, and they eventually gave their lives to Christ. And we met, we met them shortly after they came to know Christ, became friends with them. They attended the church that we were leaders at. And had, had the Lord come back in 1988, Majdi and Hala's names would not be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so God, his mission is patient. And number three, we, f- we see God's compassion. Uh, he's not willing that any should perish. And as I asked what that means, that means to die. Well, we're all going to die unless Christ returns before our death. But that's talking about he's not willing that anyone should not have eternal life with him. And that's where we come in as the body of Christ. We're the church. And we are to be on mission. And we are, that means to be intentional about sharing the love of Jesus to those around us. You know, I remember when being on mission kind of in the church world kind of became popular. And I, I didn't fully understand it at the time. And I think maybe it was around the beginning of when we were missionaries. And and really, but it's not just, it's not about missionaries being on, just them being on mission. It's not about those in vocational ministry just being on mission. It's about the body of Christ being on mission. And God has given each one of us a story to tell. And I loved your story, Carly, as um, you were sharing so beautifully. Um, you know, you talked about being nervous. Does anybody ever get nervous when when it's their time to maybe share Christ with someone. You know, I don't get nervous doing this sort of a thing. You get a lot of practice at it, but even a missionary can get nervous about sharing his personal testimony. And my prayer is that even this many years into it, that God continues to transform my life, that when I come into contact with people, even here in America, that need Jesus, that the love of Jesus shines through, and that when, when the Lord prompts me to proclaim him, that I follow and obey And we get a glimpse of God's compassion when he says that all should reach repentance. I mentioned earlier that my parents were missionaries in Kenya. So that means I grew up in Kenya from the time I was seven until I finished high school. We lived in the western part of the country at the time in a city called Little Bombay. And it was called Little Bombay because it had a lot of Indians as well as it had Pakistanis. And they were Kenyan citizens because they had been there for a few generations. And yet they were Pakistani or Indian descent, you know, Bombay, which is now Mumbai, an Indian city that I've been to once. Um, they were, there were a lot of Indians there. And, and so then a lot of Hindus, as well as the Pakistanis, were pre- predominantly Muslim. And my brother Mike and I, he 
we had these two friends. They were Pakistani background. They were Muslims named Kadim and Akil. Kadim was about my brother's age, and Akil was my age. Their last name was Hussein of all last names. Not the same spelling as Saddam Hussein, but nonetheless, uh, Muslim friends that, that we grew to love. Um, we were on this neighborhood soccer team. There were the two Wazungu, which means white people or Europeans, and then the two Asian kids and a bunch of Kenyan kids, and we had this soccer team that we would play other neighborhood teams and uh, loved growing up with Kadim and Akil. Loving family, always welcomed us. I remember being introduced to Pakistani foods at their house, and, uh, but nonetheless, um, a family without a relationship with Jesus, but thinking that they know the way. Um, left Kenya after I graduated from high school, made a couple visits back. I saw Kadim and Akil a few times, but it's been over 20 years since I've seen them. And uh, I think it was about a year ago, Akil, the younger one, got in touch with me. He's, both he and Kadim have immigrated to the United Kingdom, live in England. And Akil, um, he, he, we got in touch through Facebook Messenger. You know, Facebook is good for something for those of you who maybe don't think it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I was, like, thrilled to get back in touch with Akil, and we would message back and forth, and one day I get a, a message asking me to pray for his brother, Kadim, because Kadim has developed cancer, and Muslims believe in prayer. They believe in Jesus. They don't believe he's the son of God. They don't have the true picture of Jesus. They don't believe he's deity. But nonetheless, they will ask you to pray for him. When we lived in Sudan, there were people, Muslims that we prayed for. Often they will receive prayer. And so Akil asked me to pray for Kadim, and so I assured him when I wrote back that I'd be praying for him. And then um, about a month later, I got a very interesting message from Akil a question that one of the most interesting questions I've ever received from anyone in my life. Akil and his wife have a couple of teenage boys, and uh, in Manchester, England, where they live, they've been fostering a baby girl. And this girl has been living with them in their home. And Akil, he, he asked me, he, said, he, he wrote, he said, Chris, I... You know, you're a Christian, I respect you, um, I, re I, I, I respect our friendship. He says, I have this dilemma, should I bring up this, if, if we do adopt this girl and are able to raise her, should I bring her up Christian or Muslim? I was like, what? <laughs> I, was, I was blown away by this question. And, I, you know, I, I could have, like, put uh, Christian, Muslim, a box next to it and ticked Christian, you know, and send it back. But I wanted to give this some prayer, and I asked him a little further, tell me more about this. And he, he said, well, her, her roots are Christian, and my family and I, being Akil's even extended family, think that in honor of her roots, we should bring her up Christian. But our Muslim community here in Manchester thinks that she should brought up, be brought up Muslim. And I did ask him, you know, well, as a Muslim, how do you think you would raise a child Christian, and he said, well, that's where you would come in. <laughs> so, wow, God is just opening doors like you wouldn't believe. 
And so I, I said, well, thank you for asking the question. Give me some time on this one. I wanted to pray about my answer. So for about a week, I gave it some thought and prayer. And I responded to him. Just, I just felt led to, to lay out the gospel. I mean, he had heard it to a degree when he was younger. But, um, and you know, you, with a Muslim, you come to this impasse. You know, they, the Trinity is really difficult for them. Um, Jesus being the son of God. I even remember as a kid having discussions with, with Kadim and Akil. How, how could, could God have a son? You know, who is his wife type stuff? You know, the, the, these things you, you, you um, discuss and there's this impasse. And, and, and yet, at some point, the gospel needs to be proclaimed to them. And so I just felt like I was supposed to lay out the gospel. And so I did. I just, in this message, back to, typed back to him. I thanked him for asking it. And I, uh, I, I laid out the gospel. I, I, I said, you know, I talked about Jesus being the son of God, that he died on the cross and that he rose again for our sins. And it's nothing that we do, but everything that he did. And it's by receiving that through faith and grace and and I, I i i laid out the gospel and i said in fact i'm so convinced of this message that i've even given my life as a missionary to go overseas and to share this message to people and akil responded he thanked me for the amount of time he could tell that i put into this message he thanked me for um, sharing my heart, he he affirmed that he respected me as a Christian and and uh, that you know he was appreciative. He says, but and I, I was I was responding, not talking about raising the child. I was saying, Akil, I'm inviting you to become a follower of Jesus. And to my disappointment, he turned it down. There's this thing called free will that people have. And, you know, th the more I think about free will, the more I think about how much love God has for us by giving us free will. To think that the one who created us would tell us, would, would control what we do and how we would respond. How is that love? And so as mankind, we have free will. As a person, uh, my friend Akil has Free will. But God is not willing that he should perish, but that he should come to repentance. And that's been my prayer, is that Akil would come to repentance. I've been praying that God would just tug on his heart. And I've been asking God, how is it that you want me to continue on? And I, I just have kind of felt, well, keep praying for him, keep in touch with him. And, you know, now that we're moving to Europe, um, who knows how much we'll be passing through the United Kingdom, if, if not even that, making an inten intentional trip to go see him, him and his brother. But God is not willing that any should perish. And that's why God has called us to be on mission. He's called us as imperfect people who someone was on mission with us. Think about who told you about Jesus. Think about who... Uh, led you to Christ. Think about who told your parents about Jesus and you got to 
grow up in a, in a home where you were exposed to the gospel and you responded, God is not willing that any should perish. Um, we live in Linwood, Washington, which is in just north of Seattle. Um, and about four months ago, our neighbor across the street, I saw an ambulance pull up to their house. And so I went across to inquire about what was going on. And um, our neighbor across the street, his, his father is, is elderly and lives with them. And uh, his name is Stan, and he had had a stroke. So I w watched as the ambulance came, and they walked Stan out and to the ambulance and took him away. Um, when they brought him back from the hospital, I don't remember how long it was, um, Aaron, his son, needed to arrange for some care for Stan until they could arrange for, um, you know, through their insurance to bring someone who could could care for Stan. And there was kind of that, a little bit of period in, in there. So they asked, he asked Heidi if she could could watch him. And uh, I, th I think it was, what, a few days maybe. And, and so in the morning, Heidi would go over and, and hang out with Stan and uh, feed him and and talk to him. I think Stan did more of the talking and, and Heidi the listening, and Stan liked to talk a lot. And Stan was kind of rough around the edges, had had a potty mouth. <laughs> and um, I, I forget how Heidi relayed some of the conversation to me, and I don't remember exactly how it went. But basically, Stan was kind of argumentative too, kind of a grumpy old guy. And, uh, you know, talking about God and the church, you know, why all these denominations and this, that, and the other. And with anything that Heidi said, you know, he had some sort of rebuttal, you know. And so finally, Heidi just said something like this to him. Stan, you, you can argue whatever you want, but God loves you. You know what? You can't argue with God's love. And God's love is so great that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of this world. And he um, has allowed us to be on mission with him. And I, that I just want to challenge you in a, in a uh, just a, a loving way. You know, what, how is it that God has gifted you? And wh where God has gifted you and, and you, you, you feel like you have weaknesses like me, remember that his word says that in, in our weaknesses, he is strong. And that he gives us the power to witness. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will have power to be my witnesses. And so I guess my challenge this morning is to continue to be on mission through giving, through prayer. But also as way, uh, Lord, how is it that you would have me be on mission? And don't think you have to get something down perfectly. Um, I remember in college taking a class on evangelism. And, you know, we had to come up with our, our, um, our spiel. And, and I, 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 I was so nervous to do this spiel because we had to go downtown Seattle to share my testimony. Anyway, nonetheless, God gives us the power to be witnesses. And this is a, what do we call it, a cross-generational service, is that right? I want to challenge some of you kids, or all of you kids and, and youth, 
First of all, thank you for giving to missions. I think this church gives to BGMC. That's helped us with some great tools. And if it gives to Speed the Light, our vehicles are a huge blessing. If you know what Speed the Light is, if you don't, don't worry about it. The youth do. They provi- youth provide us with vehicles to, to help us uh, with the gospel. But maybe God has, is speaking to some of you about being on mission in a way that would take you across another culture, whether it be overseas or here in America. Heidi mentioned earlier just all of the people that are, have flooded into Seattle. We, I speak Amharic almost weekly. That's the, the language from Ethiopia because there's so many Ethiopians and Eritreans in the Seattle area. And God has given us a- opportunity to be on mission. And my prayer is that we would respond. Let me just, I'd like to pray with you in closing. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're not slow in keeping your promises. Lord, you've been patient with us, both in regards to um, tugging on our hearts and, and waiting for our response to the gospel message, as well as being patient with us in, in other ways. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for uh, those who invested in the lives of the people in this room. Lord, there are many stories that, that could be told of, of how you used someone to bring the gospel people in this room lord and i pray that you would anoint our lives lord god that you would use us in the mission lord god young and old to um, bring the good news to those around us lord god in our schools in our workplaces lord god help our lives to shine for you help there to be something different about us as followers of jesus lord we thank you we bless you we pray these things in jesus name Amen. Amen, Pastor. We support already the Nesses on a monthly basis, but Chris, do you have a cash budget you're trying to raise this, and what would that be? Um, our cash budget has about 45000 left in it, and that's cash is for the one-time expenses. One of the key things that we are raising money for in the cash budget is for these two centers to help expand them. And so, um, so yeah, we have about 45000 to raise in cash before we head out Amen. in August. And I've done the math. I, I don't, don't want to do the math because God does math differently than I. Yes. He does fuzzy math. He does. <laughs> so I haven't figured out how much, but anyway. So we are going to give you an opportunity before we allow you to go to give uh, today for their cash uh, budget. So if I could have my ushers come. Uh, we just want to give you a chance. We, again, are already supporting Chris and Heidi on a, a monthly basis, and thank you, Chris. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, and uh, before, before you give, let's just pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the Nesses. I thank you for their heart to reach people and to be on mission. God, I pray that that would be the same as we talk about it here at North Lake all the time. God, let us be on mission and living missionally for you, on focus, Lord, because there are people who you do not want to see perish. God, I pray you bless this offering, multiply it, Lord, for every need that they have, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you as you give. And uh, 
as the ushers come and, and uh, you are giving, uh, again, I want to uh, thank you for being here. Uh, this is a, a great service that we do together, and we do it on purpose because God brings the entire church together, not just about one group or one specific age, but the entire church. What a great time. Thank you for being here. As you uh, give and the Lord is done with you, you can be dismissed. I will be out there. The only other thing I'm going to remind you, North Lake, this is the Lord's day. Be intentional. Amen. God bless you. I love you.